With Livin' Up Promo, you can turn your brand into a lifestyle. Our professionally printed swag is guaranteed to turn heads. Check us out on Instagram at L-I-V-I-N Up Promo to get started today. Welcome to Breaking Bread. I'm Terry Page. Red, wine, and blue has only been around a short time, but they appear to be making quite an impact with voters. According to their website, they provide the tools needed for women to successfully organize in their communities. But the group hasn't been without opposition to give us more insight on their origin and some of the challenges the group faces is North Carolina Program Director Janice Robinson. Janice, welcome to Breaking Bread. Thank you. Glad to be here. Janice, could you give us some background to Red, Wine, and Blue, such as when and why it started and where are you located? Okay. Yes. Um, so Red, Wine, and Blue started when some women, uh, some suburban women up in Ohio, after Trump was elected, and they realized that they, these white suburban women, were being attributed to his win. Well, um, they knew that uh, Trump did not share their values, and so they started meeting in their homes, in their living rooms, over wine, and just started talking about how they could change the world. And so those women started reaching out to their friends. Uh, Their friends started reaching out to their friends, and before you know it, it had pretty much spread across um, the Midwest. And, uh, and they were instrumental in helping Biden win back um, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Um, during the 2020 election before that, they had started looking at other um, states. Um, North Carolina was one of them as a battleground state. And so they came into North Carolina. We connected, and we, uh, I was hired um, to be the program director for North Carolina, for North Carolina. And so that was a the fall of uh, 2021, about a year and a half ago, started organizing North Carolina. And so here we are. Okay. Now, was it after President Donald Trump got into office that there was the realization that the, the values didn't match? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They did not vote for him. They were not supportive of Trump. Um, they, the fact that uh, uh, pundits were being said Trump won because of suburban women. And so these suburban women uh, say, oh, hell no. <laughs> you know, they didn't vote for him. And so, uh, so they started reaching out to their friends. Um, and Katie Paris, who had worked on Capitol Hill uh, for quite some time, uh, she learned about these women. And actually, uh, and she, she now, she was living, uh, had moved to Ohio as well, her and her husband and family. And so uh, she met these women and uh, she coined the phrase, the name, red wine, like you're drinking a glass of wine, red mm-hmm. wine and blue. And just kind of snowball from there, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, as they grew, um, there was a, 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 um, a woman who had started a, a Facebook group, kind of, um, I guess, uh, against Trump. And the Facebook group grew so fast, they asked uh, Red, Wine, and Blue to take it over. And uh, now there's, uh, that, red, that Facebook group is called, uh, the acronym is SWEEP, which stands for Suburban Women um, Engaged uh, in Suburban women, um, empowered, engaged, and pissed. <laughs> okay. And there, there is uh, over 250,000 women in that, that Facebook group. And uh, when we started North, and got, uh, started organizing North Carolina, we uh, set up a, a North Carolina Facebook group uh, because it was, it was kind of hard to see everything that's po- being posted by 250,000 women. 
It's a lot of women. Yeah, and so the North Carolina group now we have over thirty two hundred women in the South Carolina in the North Carolina the North Carolina Facebook group. Okay, pretty big group there. Mm -hmm. Janice, recently Red Wine and Blue launched a campaign called Freedom to Parent Twenty First Century Kids. Could you give me some insight on this campaign and the origins of its launch? Yeah, um, about a year and a half ago, uh, Red, Wine, and Blue, we launched a national campaign called Book Band Busters. And, and this one, we started realizing and learning that, um, you know, these folks were banning books. And this is when it first started, where they were banning books across the country. And we decided to launch a national campaign to go on the offense against these folks. Um, that campaign was so successful. Uh, the Freedom to Parents kind of a continuation of that. So... It's, uh, it's answering to this whole thing, uh, this um, mirage about this whole parents' rights movement that um, the uh, right wings have, right wingers and these moms for liberty have going. So this is uh, it's an answer to that. I mean, we're putting these people on the on the defense that um, you know it's a ruse. You know this whole thing, uh, this this uh, the sort of freedom freedom to parents, a grassroots movement of mainstream parents standing up for. Uh, our freedom to raise our kids, raise 21st century kids. I know exactly from the time frame that Red, Wine, and Blue started, could you mention with, with the uh, election, with the campaign, mm -hmm. to the, the book banning phase, what, what time frame are we talking? So Red, Wine, and Blue started in 2018. And so the book ban, we set up the, started, Nash launched the book ban busters campaign. That was, um, that would have been, uh, around January of 2021, well, this is 2023, January 2022. That's when the Book Band Busters campaign, we launched that. Okay, okay. Now what does that mean exactly, Freedom the Parent? Um, what is the overall objective with Red, Wine, and Blue behind this? You know, we just wanna, parents want to raise 21st century kids. Um, you know, the, um, the, the truth about this whole parents' rights, uh, uh, quote unquote, mirage <laughs> is they want to spread fear and confusion uh, and the truth is that they want to undermine public education and control what kids and families believe do and read and so we're saying that you know what parents want to raise um, kids that are um, that are uh, aware that are in support um, of people that are different from them kids are not afraid to learn accurate history they learn black history Kids don't want to um, discriminate against the LGBTQ community. Uh, and a lot of what this freedom, this uh, parents' rights stuff, that's what it is. It's, uh, it's discrimination against uh, kids uh, that are LGBTQ uh, identifiers. Um, they're trying to control uh, accurate history. Um, you know, they, they basically, it's really to undermine the public education. So, so we are not, um, we, we know that's the... Those people who are trying to do that is a small uh, number, a small minority of people. And uh, the majority of people do not agree with that. And so we want to give people a way to actually make their voice heard and stand up against that stuff. Now, what happened? Because it seems like, let's say, I don't know, let's say 10 years ago, you didn't see a lot of this going on in the media. There wasn't a lot of back and forth between people wanting to bang books and, and mm -hmm. what the what the education, what was going on in the public school system. And then there have, there seemed to have been like an uprising. It seems to be almost at every news cycle at some point. So when did this transaction take place and why? You know, this is really just a continuation of the cultural wars that was started 
oh, even back during the Jerry Falwell days, um, they every 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 so often they'll just kind of rebrand it, and now they have rebranded it under the name of Moms for Liberty. Um, but it's the same. It's the same. It's the same thing they've been trying to do for years. They gin up the cultural wars to try and scare people and and um, make people fearful so that they can hopefully vote for their extremist candidates. Um, people have been trying to ban uh, books and prevent people from reading and learning history back since slavery days. That's when it first started. You know when uh, um, the daughters of the Confederate folks they didn't. It was illegal to teach uh, slaves to read, and so. Um, it's been going on for decades. Now it's just uh, it's now has been rebranded. You know, a while back it was the Tea Party. You know, uh, before them it was the uh, the Moral Majority and whatever the Solid Majority, whatever they called it. But uh, it, uh, it is a uh, um, um, an orchestrated effort by uh, these or these groups out of D.C. The Steve Bannons uh, folks, um, and they fund these things, and it's their way of trying to scare people into voting for their crazy candidates. And they're particularly going after white suburban women. They're trying to uh, scare white suburban women. And the message that we have for them is that, you know, first of all, you know, we're not stupid. Suburban women are not stupid. We see this stuff and um, and we don't agree with it. The majority of suburban women do not agree with this. And so so we're not gonna fall for the yoke doke. So they're speaking out. They, they don't they're agree, so they're speaking out given their yeah what we do we train we train women we train women especially women who've been a little uh, shy about getting engaged in the political arena um, we we target those women and uh, and give them a way to learn first of all learn that they do have political power and we teach them and train them how to use their political power how to speak up at school boards uh, how to run for office if they want to you know, how to um, write letters, write op-eds, how to write letters to the editors, but just how to amplify their voice in the in their community so that they do not uh, um, kind of let these folks kind of take over and, and, and make it appear that the majority of the people go along with these crazy people. You know, that's not true. Um, and so, so we mobilize and train and amplify the voices of of women um, based on the issues that are important to them. And we teach them how to use their political power, the fact that, that they do have political power. We're going to get to the school board here in just a second. I do want to point out, I noticed that Red, Wine, and Blue celebrated its 101st episode with their May podcast of The Suburban Woman Problem. Yeah. yeah. They mentioned parents and teachers being put against one another. What is causing this friction? And what would be the best way to come together so that each side is being heard? Also, how does something like this affect your freedom to parent efforts? Yeah. Well, first of all, parents and teachers are not um, in opposition to each other. The moms, these these people, these extremists like these moms for liberty groups, they are showing up claiming this parents' rights. They're claiming uh, they're the ones that are attacking teachers. Um, calling them all kind of names, showing up at the school board, screaming and yelling, trying to intimidate school board members. Uh, parents, the majority of parents, they want their kids to um, learn accurate history. They want their kids to read books. They do not agree with this whole book banning. So that the people who are showing up is a small number of people. And a lot of times the ones who show up, they don't even, they don't even have kids in that school system. So it's not a parents against teachers. That's, that's not true. It is a small group of people who are uh, funded and, and uh, um, they are being orchestrated by these groups out of D.C. to try to give that illusion. 
We are saying, uh, because the majority of us parents, you know, we don't agree with that. And we want our kids to, first of all, have a public education because we believe in public education. And we want our kids to uh, learn true history. Um, we appreciate the teachers. We love the teachers. We love our teachers. And we're here to support the teachers. And so, so we just, we're not going to let these people create that illusion that it's parents against teachers. That's just a farce. I see. Uh, we're speaking with North Carolina Program Director for Red Wine and Blue, Janice Robinson. Mm -hmm. Janice, why would you say there's a movement to restrict access to books? Because it's a ruse. <laughs> it's a ruse. They're, these people, um, they, uh, they're trying to gin up. It's, it's another way of ginning up the cultural wars. They're banning, they're, uh, banning books against the uh, books that are written by the LGBTQ um, community, authors, um, and they're, they're banning books written by, by, and, uh, by black authors, about black history, but it's their way of trying to uh, create groups against each other. And so the majority of the population, uh, it's not, we're not falling for that, and we don't agree with that. And so, you know, you know, this campaign, the Freedom to Parent 21st Century Kids, we're providing a space for um, parents to learn how they can, uh, some tools that they can use to push back on this stuff and, and, and put these people on the defense because it's a ruse. It's a ruse. Parents already have rights. You know, that whole parent right crap, it's a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of bull, bullshit. <laughs> um, and again, remember, it's by these people out of D.C. that are basically funding this stuff. Well, um, you, you mentioned uh, Monster Liberty um, a minute ago. Now, your website highlights Monster for Liberty at school board meetings engaging in shouting matches. Uh, they seem to have uh, their tactics, um, whether it's effective or ineffective, uh, although you be the judge. But I do show that members have won school board um, seats uh, all over the country. I'll also point out at their uh, first summit meeting last year, their speakers included former HUD uh, Secretary uh, Ben Carson, as well as now presidential candidate and uh, current governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. If they are making traction with their agenda, how does this affect what Red, Wine, and Blue is doing? First of all, um, they're not making that much of an uh, of traction. Um, when it comes down to it, uh, Red, Wine, and Blue, we have half a million women that are in our network across the country. Um, um, the Moss for Liberty folks, I think one time they said they had 70,000. You know, well, okay, 70,000 compared to half a million. Um, and also, to, even here in North Carolina, we now have over 20,000 women in North Carolina that have connected with us in North Carolina that are in our network. So they're trying to create the illusion that they're making uh, tra traction and so forth. They're not. It's a small number of people that are yelling and screaming, drawing attention, trying to... Um, trying to uh, dominate the airwaves so that it looks like they're making a lot of traction and doing this. They're not. They're not. They're only a small percentage of the population, very small. And so they're not. Okay. And so that's why we started our Freedom to Parent uh, national campaign is so that, um, so that people can see uh, and learn about these issues. If parents want to know, uh, like we have some sessions called Ask Me Anything, which are virtual events. But parents can ask questions uh, about topics such as what it means to be transgender or non-binary. Um, what is it like to raise uh, children of color in majority white suburb, uh, suburban areas and more? Um, 
we have a little band book club so that people can see what are the what these books really are. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be doing a troublemaker parent tour, which will be a series that uh, Red Wine and Blue is doing um, um, that will be on the podcast. Um, and we have a, a frequently asked questions on our website for all the questions that you want to know that parents want to know about this stuff. You know, um, so a series of informational sessions, informational sessions. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, where people can come and learn. Because sometimes, you know, there are some questions um, that people will have about, you know, uh, some of this stuff. Whereas um, these groups are trying to make it something dirty and bad and, and objectifying people. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. And so we're out there saying, that, you know, okay, uh, come, come to our website, learn about Freedom to Parent, uh, learn, um, come to the educational sessions. <clears throat> Um, ask questions. Uh, come meet us. Uh, we're in five states now, and uh, but come come to our Facebook groups. Come to our uh, to our, our uh, sweet group or our North Carolina group. Our Michigan or Michigan Ohio. Um, now Virginia, we're staffing up in Virginia, and so we are about educating people and and pushing back on all this disinformation. This disinformation misinformation that they're doing to to scare people. Well, it does appear that Red Wine and Blue is making headway with their efforts. A segment of the suburban woman uh, problem uh, says Red Wine and Blue is making, or at least a, a partial, they're taking um, at least partial credit, they said on the podcast, for a Democratic mayor winning the election in, in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Your website has a picture of you, and I imagine other Red Wine and Blue members, in big black letters. It reads, and I quote, book, ban, busters, close quote. What is this about? Because the caption reads that there were efforts to ban books, and you mentioned earlier there were some books, but you mentioned specifically books around Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, yeah, they banned it. I mean, um, Amanda Gorman, who read um, uh, the her poem doing a, a, um, President Biden's uh, inaugural um, inauguration, her the book that um, of that poem was just recently like in the last week or so, was banned in Florida by a school board. You know, this is crazy. <laughs> so books about, there's even a, a school board in, um, in a, 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 a city, uh, um, I don't know if it was in, in Tennessee or somewhere, that banned the Martin Luther King Jr. I Have a Dream speech. I heard about that. Yeah, you know, this stuff is crazy. Uh, and so... On our, um, we still have the landing page with the Book Band Busters landing page. I think that's what you're referencing. So people can go to that page because when we set that landing page up, we had people to come to the page and then fill out kind of a, a, a little um, a form to tell us where books were being banned. And so we have a map on there, interactive map, where people can see all the places where at that time and still is, still are, people were banning books. So a lot of it was books, like I said, it was books on um written by about black history um the hate you give they banned that book. It, i mean at one point at one point there was like over 100 100 books and they're still banning books you know um so um well it sounds like that it, it, clearly on you know each side has their their reasoning for one the books there and not one the books there whatever the case is now it sounds like you've opened up a forum where people want they want to talk, they can have mm -hmm. that uh, civilized mm -hmm. discussion. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. at the same time, you've got you know friction, as, as I mentioned with the school board. There was an incident uh, just here recently in California where you had uh, at least three people arrested because they didn't agree with some of the books that were going into um, that school district. Uh, so and that's why I was asking earlier, you know, why is there such, you know, such frustration between two parties versus just people just coming together? Now, a Washington Post piece from December references parents speaking out against a novel describing oral sex between two 10-year-old boys. The author of the book says he never intended for the book to be placed in school libraries. Where is the line drawn when it comes to educating children? Do we let all the books in, certain books? And if it's the latter, who would make that determination? Well, school boards, all school boards have policies where uh, parents, uh, a way for parents to, if they do not want their child to read um, a certain book, there's already policies and procedures set up for that parent to uh, make that happen. The problem is um, these people are showing up trying to dictate what all kids in the public schools can read. And so that's where we draw the line. It's not for it's not for anybody to dictate what somebody else's child uh, should read. That's why we call them the freedom to parent, twenty uh, first freedom to parent our own kids. Um, and so it's it's really, um, I mean, their tactic. It is a tactic. And if we think back to the Tea Party days, that's the ones we most remember. Were the Tea Party days where they showed up at these town halls screaming and yelling and so forth. It's the same tactic. It's the tactic to try to intimidate and to scare people um, um, that something something weird is going on. It is not. It is not. If there's a book that a parent feels like is inappropriate for their kid or so forth, they just go through the procedure. It's when uh, it's when they show up and try and dictate, you <clears throat> know, set up a whole new process. Um, uh, and to make it um, books unavailable for somebody else's child, that's not freedom. That's not freedom in America. And who gives them the right to, do, to make that decision? So what you're saying is the process already set up, but they're trying to circumvent that yeah, process. Yeah. yeah, and there's a reason for it because they're just trying to scare and make it look like, um, you know, uh, if they can get, um, get on TV screaming and yelling and trying to intimidate the school board. Um, okay. And taking that process, you're also saying that through that same process, they can determine, you know, what age the, the students would see certain books. They can go to to the school board, to the school and go through that process and they can decide if they do not want their child to read a certain book. It's already in place. You mentioned the um, they go to your website and, and see some of those uh, forms. What is your website and other contact information? Uh, so it's redwine.blue, and that's red wine, like you're drinking a glass of wine, dot blue is uh, our website um, here in North Carolina. Our Facebook group is uh, Red Wine, Red Wine and Blue North Carolina. And um, if they, anybody wants to reach out to me, they can just email me at Janice at redwine.blue. And that's Janice at redwine.blue. At some of the sessions, is there actually real wine being consumed? Sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, there yeah, you go. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And every now and then we'll have a we'll we'll put on local um, events, um, and sometimes at wine bars, and sometimes at uh, like one of the things we train our women to do is have what we call vino the vote parties, and uh, and so this one you I, I call them Tupperware parties with a purpose, where they can um, women can invite other women into their homes whether they're having wine or tea or whatever, 
and they can talk about these things. So what do we want to learn? When we did a, um, here in North Carolina, we created our Trouble Maven Academy. It was an eight, it's an eight week boot camp where we train women on um, just how all this political stuff work. You know, how does the North Carolina General Assembly work? What does it mean to be an advocate? Um, how do you, how do you write a speech for the school when you want to speak at the school board? So we train them how to do all of that stuff so that they can be uh, more politically savvy themselves. So, because it sounds like it's not all business. There's some, some fun that's happening. Well, yeah, yeah. What we do, we, we try and make it fun. Um, what we, we call it, we, what we do, we, we try and provide a, an unintimidating on-ramp for women to get engaged, especially women uh, that have, for whatever reason, have shied away from being part of uh, the political process. And, uh, and it can be intimidating when you are not familiar with it, when you haven't been engaging in it. You know, but there's some of us on, I call it being on the choir. Some of us who are, we watch at CNN or MSNBC or Fox, you know, and we're breathing, um, sleeping and breathing this stuff all day long. But the majority of, of pe the people are not. And so, so a lot of women, they're not, they're not sure about this stuff. So we try to make it fun. Um, our events are fun. They're lighthearted. Um, I call it, well, in the words of Tom Joyner, party with a purpose. <laughs> Okay, well, it sounds like, um, from from my understand, is there's a process, and if people don't agree with what the school board is doing, those people can run for that election. Yeah, they can run for the school board. board, yeah. They just need to stop. Um, I mean, some of the things that these folks are doing, I mean, they are calling teachers, um, you know, um, rumors. Uh, I mean, they are um, dogging out teachers on... on um, on social media, and they're driving a lot. Of, and for many teachers, are deciding not to stay in the profession. They're driving teachers away, you know. And and then you know, even with the GOP, they're defunding public education. It's a ruse to defund public education. Already here in North Carolina, public education is not being fully funded. Then look at the Leandro case, um, and. And so now they are trying to destroy public education uh, externally by defunding it, but now internally by going after teachers and, uh, and, and the education staff. And so we're not putting up with that. We're saying, no, that's not right. We're not going to let it happen. Because we need our kids in public schools. We believe in public schools. These people don't believe in public schools. The, uh, well, to that point, I know that some of the proponents of maybe you know private schools or charter schools were saying that mm -hmm. if you come up with a competition that people can decide what type of school they can they can send their child to. Mm -hmm. And if they don't like what's going on at that school board meeting, then they can put them in a different school and put the funding in that area. Well, you know, yeah. So so the general the GOP here in North Carolina, how one of the ways they are defunding public education is they are moving public dollars to these private private schools. Um, Problem with that is that the public schools were already uh, wasn't being funded totally. So you know when people and and I can understand a parent being concerned about and wanting their kids to be, you know, getting a good education in the public schools. Who does not want that? Everybody wants that. And a lot of and there's uh, there's issues in the public schools, but it's because the public schools have been starved for so long. This is not new. This is not new. And so if you don't fund adequately fund the public the public schools adequately pay teachers like can we pay teachers what they worth you know providing um upgraded um school uh buildings and so forth 
if they if, if you don't if you starve if you starve the system then of course the system is not going to be as effective as it should be and then parents will not want their children in the school so to take those dollars that are that um, that you are already starving <laughs> uh, with the public schools and moving them to these private schools and saying okay parents uh, you can just bring your kids over here and well the majority of uh, kids in the uh, public schools of black and brown kids and a lot of these families cannot afford private schools so okay so you're gonna give them a voucher so let's say you give them a voucher now say you give them a voucher of ten thousand dollars a lot of these schools are like thirty forty thousand dollars a year the parents cannot afford this so and also too I'm an occupational therapist a lot of kids who have special needs this kids with disabilities these private schools do not provide therapy for these kids they have to get that in the public school system where it's required and so you know it's a ruse I'm all for it. somebody wants to send their kid to a private school, do it, but do not take away and use public dollars for it. For the, that needs to go to the public schools where the majority of the kids are being educated. Keep the funding in the public schools and then have a separate funding for the... No, parents need to pay for it themselves. Well, that would be the separate funding. <laughs> they need to pay for it themselves. If, if I want to send a ch my child to a public school, up to a private school, I need to pay for that. I do not need to take money from the public schools. No, it's my choice. Then I need to pay for it. North Carolina Program Director for Red Wine and Blue, Janice Robinson. Thank you for working bread with us today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Breaking Bread is a production of Artists for the People. Follow us on Twitter at Breaking Bread 101. That's break. The letter N is November. Bread 101. Or catch us on Instagram, Breaking Bread Podcast. Check out. Check us out on Facebook or visit our website on breakingbread.biz. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Breaking Bread 101. Give us a listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme music was composed by Ludwig van Beethoven. Breaking Bread was created by Terry Page. Success is when opportunity meets preparation. Until next time.